So let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start a series on Ephesians. It's going to get a little bit complicated because you're going to have, you're going to have Ephesians this morning and then you're going to have Ephesians next week. And then it swaps into the evening. So the third talk on Ephesians will be in the evening and the fourth talk will be on Ephesians in the evening. But it won't be in the morning and there'll be something else in the morning. And then it will swap back to the morning again. So you'll get the fifth talk on Ephesians and sixth talk in, on those mornings. So you won't know whether you're coming or going really, will you? And if you can get hold of these, if you can't make a particular meeting, then we do encourage you, you know, to get the downloads uh, or the, what's the other one? A podcast, that's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, listen to those and just keep up with it. But can I suggest that you read Ephesians? I know that's a bit obvious, isn't it? And we went to, Bible, went to church today and they told us to read the Bible. That's, that's quite novel. <laughs> okay. Read it and 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 read it. Until it's flowing in your veins. Okay. I had the delight of getting up this morning thinking, right, the first thing I'm going to do is, you know, because I'm preaching on that first chapter is just to read it through again. And it was like coming back to an old friend. And we'd only been meeting with each other on Wednesday or Thursday, whenever I did the preparation. But I suddenly thought, and particularly this chapter, because, or at least the first part of this chapter. So we're going to look at the first 14 verses. And it's just one long sentence. I mean, there are, there are no um, full stops and commas and punctuation in Greek, as you all know. But... You could almost leave out the sentences or the full stops in, in the English as well. It just kind of runs on. It's like it's the overture to this letter. I was trying to think of any overtures I, I know, and I don't know any particularly, but I just thought of Beethoven's fifth. Come on. Where? Don't you listen to classic FM? <laughs> Right, it's it's shuddering like that. In fact, if you know anything about that symf- symphony, or uh, fifth, it's a symphony, yeah, fifth symphony. That phrase of, of music kind of repeats itself. Sound like a music expert? No, I've just heard this somewhere. Uh, just repeats itself again and again, and it's like the themes that you're about to be exposed to will be uh, repeated again and again and again in Ephesians. So you are literally getting the overture, and in music, the, as I understand it, the overture. It kind of unlocks things. It prepares you. It gives you some of the uh, musical themes that are going to be explored later. And that's what you get in this first 14 verses of Ephesians. So let's read it together. In fact, we might read it more than once because it's quite short. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace 
that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Hallelujah. I think I breathed halfway through somewhere. Here's the same passage in the message version. You may not have that, but if, you've, if you're clever and you've got it on Kindle or something, you can quickly click over to it. Nobody got Kindles, went all right. So in the message version, this is how it reads. I, Paul, am under God's plans as an apostle, a special agent of Jesus Christ Jesus. <laughs> Apostolic MI5. Writing to your faithful Christians in Ephesus, I greet you with the grace and peace poured into our lives by God and Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he had decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments. Come on. Chalked up by our misdeeds. Don't clap too loudly. You'll get that. And not just barely free either. Abundantly free. Woo! I think all I'll have to do is read the Bible this morning. <laughs> he th- get that coffee on. He thought of everything. Prov- he thought of everything. He thought of everything. God thought of everything. <laughs> There's nothing that he can't think about. He is the most intelligent person that ever lives. Ever lives. Not ever lived. He thought of everything. Provided for everything. Come on. Provided for everything we could possibly need. (laughs) Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. I didn't realize the message was so good. <laughs> must, must read it more often. He set it, he set it all out before us in Christ. A long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him 
everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are. (laughs) And what we're living for. We're living for Jesus. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to make this, make this, draw this out a bit. <laughs> We're in a Holy Spirit moment, isn't it? Could it just be that the Holy Spirit is preaching the sermon before I get to it? They'll be docking my pay. Or giving me more holiday. I've got five more, five more days holiday this year, this week. That was, that was amazing. I walked into the office and they said, you've got five more. Anyway. (laughs) Talk to me afterwards. Come on. Where were we? Oh, in God's long range plan. Yeah. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up. (laughs) He had his eyes on us. (laughs) And he's never taken his gaze off of you. That's amazing, isn't it? Whatever you've done in your life, God was looking. What? He was there? He most certainly was. In your darkest moments, in your deepest sins, God was there. You don't look too worried about that. (laughs) And you shouldn't be, as we will discover as we go on. Because God's eyes are still on us and with a purpose. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes, he had his eye on us. Had designs on us. For... Glorious living. Come on. Part of the overall purpose he was working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of salvation, your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit. Somebody write a song about that. Signed, sealed, delivered by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I actually felt in the preparations, I felt the Holy Spirit inviting me to his sermon. That's very good of him, isn't it? I get to partner with him. When we say that, we usually think, Right, I'm up here, Lord, and I'm, you know, please support me. I feel like I am supporting Holy Spirit this morning in some sort of strange way. This signet from God is the first, the first instalment. Come on, that, what that means is there's lots more. So if this is the first instalment, if you have the Holy Spirit now, that is just the first instalment. That's the down payment. Have you all put your deposits in for the church holiday? You fully expect to have a church holiday, don't you? 
And now you've paid the deposit, you are going to have a church holiday. Jim has not asked me to make this announcement, but I'm just making it anyway. It's a down payment. When you've done that, it's a done deal, isn't it? Even though you haven't received it all yet, it's a done deal. And you have the first installment on what's coming. A reminder that we'll get everything God has... We'll get everything. All things are yours. You're the richest person in the world. Because all things are yours. You will get everything. God has planned for us a praising and glorious life. So should we worship God? All through this chapter, Paul is, keeps bringing us back to praise and worship. Doesn't it? This is actually the sermon. <laughs> I think. Verse 3, praise be to God. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. And there's another one, there's two others. Oh yeah. In verse 11, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were first to hope, I thought it was a long sentence, who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory, the last verse, verse 14. What is it that we praise God for? Why are we to the praise of his glory? What's he done in us that is so amazing and so incredible? And we keep discovering it every day and every moment of our lives. The kingdom of heaven is near, Jesus said. He didn't park that truth in your life when you got born again. He, well, he did, but he didn't just leave it there. He tapped you into all his resources and all his power and all his strength. And all his purposes so that you could live forever with him to his praise and glory. That's why you're being changed from one degree of glory to another. So you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And that word spiritual can be slightly misleading because in our context, spiritual often just means the opposite to material. So we think, okay, spiritual blessing as opposed to material blessing. And actually, there isn't such that clear distinction. In fact, when the Greek word here used for spiritual literally means spirit. In other words, holy spirit. You have every holy spirit blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything that the Spirit is pouring out, He's pouring out uh, through Christ Jesus. Because you have Christ Jesus, you therefore have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit wants to do, not just the deposit, but everything He wants to do in your life, you can receive it. You have already received it, and you are going to receive more. More and more and more and more. As You don't have to lie on the floor to get this, by the way. But pills, please feel free. I'm happy to work with anything. 
The Holy Spirit's just agreed with me on that. <laughs> Felt that kind of feeling you get with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at seven things that you get. Ready? Ready for the seven? This is, as I said to somebody, the, have you heard of the sevenfold blessing? <laughs> I've just made it up. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Yes, seven being the perfect uh, number. Okay. So can we have the first one? Did we get slides? Yeah. You are chosen, aren't you? <laughs> he chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. That's amazing, isn't it? You are always the twinkle in his eye. How did you know me, Lord, before I existed? Well, because you existed in some way before you were born. In the mind of God. I mean, there are six billion people on our planet. God had them all in his mind before they were born. And that doesn't take into account the generations before that. How does God hold six billion people in his head? Because he's God, yes. But he chose you, didn't he? He predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8. Wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have problems with predestination? And much of the preaching about predestination is trying to explain it to you. It's a bit like trying to explain the Trinity. You can only go so far in your understanding and be, before you have to kind of leave off and say, I don't understand this anymore. And scripture does not help you. Probably deliberately so. So that the doctrine of predestination, in other words, that God chose you before you had any say in it. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. And that seems to conflict with your sense of free choice and free will. Folks, it will always conflict. Get used to it. But at the same time as getting used to it, don't miss the amazingness. Just invented a word. The absolutely incredible truth that's wrapped up in this idea of being chosen, of being predestined, of being chosen before the foundation of the world. Well, didn't Jesus say, I chose you before you chose me? Or words to that effect. Here's the first most comforting thing that I know about this doctrine. And, and, and this is this. This is this. My salvation ultimately is not dependent on me. It's dependent on him. Because it was founded in him and thought about by him way before I arrived on the scene. Before my waywardness took over. Before my sin, which kept me in darkness, took over my life. He had already chosen me. I was going to be saved. I was going to respond to it. And I don't understand that. But I love it because it means my salvation is clearly based, first and foremost, based in the heart of God. And that is my security. That is my absolute security. That God will always, in a sense, he's chosen me and will always be choosing me. And the second most comforting thing about this is that he chose me out of his pleasure. 
It wasn't like God sat up in heaven, well, I need, you know, I need some people in this kingdom of mine, so I'll have you, 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 and you. Well, I don't really want you, but all right, you're in. You know, can't leave you out. <clears throat> he wasn't particular about it, was he? Not in that sense. He chose you because of his good pleasure. He chose you in him before the creation of the world, verse 4, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purposes of his will, in order that we who were first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Where's the pleasure gone? I've lost it. I thought it was down there. Oh, no, it's uh, verse 9. Sorry, jumped. And he made him known, and he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Do you know God actually likes you? We have this strange distinction in our, in our culture, don't we? I love them, but I don't like them. <laughs> I always feel that's slightly questionable. I know what people mean by that. Like, you're not very likable, but I will love you. We, that's what we mean, isn't it? But God loves you and he likes you as well. You're his pleasure. In any understanding of the word, that must be true, wasn't it? If God has pleasure, if he had pleasure in choosing you, he's pleased with you. He demonstrates that in his own son, Jesus Christ, when he's baptized and the Holy Spirit comes on him and the voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. It's the pleasure of God. It really comes off well, that doesn't it? Say that with me. Pleasure. Tell the person next to you, say, it's God's pleasure. You are God's pleasure. Don't know how it comes out. What's the French for pleasure? Who is it? Say it again. Plaisir. Plaisir. Up there somewhere, okay. Stick to the English. In. I thought it might sound better in French, but it probably does to the French. But <laughs> okay. God loves you and likes you. Yeah, but what about all those things I, I do wrong? Yeah, but God still loves you and likes you. He doesn't like the things that you do if they're wrong, but he still likes you. He doesn't cool off. He doesn't get moody. He doesn't think, well, you don't deserve this. Well, you never deserved it. So how are you going to deserve it anyway? You don't need to deserve it. It's God's pleasure and will. He likes you and loves you. You're chosen. Second one. You're holy. Say to me, say to, say to me, well, you can say it to me if you want. Say, say, I am holy. Come on, let's park on this a bit more. I am holy. I am holy. I am holy. I am holy. I really am holy. I'm holier than you. <laughs> no, you're not. Actually, you can't be more holy than the person next to you because they're holy. Here's an interesting one. I can never be more holy than I am now. 
but surely I've got years to live in my life and I can get more holy. No, in one sense you can act, in one sense, in one sense that's true, in one sense it's not. Why do we struggle to think of ourselves holy? Well, in our culture, if you went into the work, you know, went to your work tomorrow or anywhere and said, hi guys, I'm holy. <laughs> kind of wouldn't work, would it? No. Uh, you don't have to do that necessarily. If God calls you to do it, well, bless you, you know, make sure it's God's calling. <laughs> but you are holy. And I think some of our, can, some of our struggle with that is that we always firstly equate holiness with good behavior and God tells us be holy as I'm holy and God is good he's always on his best behavior you notice that can't fault God he's always on his best behavior so holiness seems to be wrapped up in the things that I am doing my behavior so when I'm doing good I'm holy and when I'm not doing good I'm not holy But at its core, the word holiness doesn't actually mean good behavior. At its core, the word holiness simply means to be set apart. God made the nation of Israel holy. He set them apart from the other nations. You have been made holy and blameless in his sight. He has set you apart for himself. So therefore, without any of your actions or behavior counting at the moment, you are holy. Glory. It's not about works. It's by faith I am saved. Through grace, I have been made holy and blameless in his sight. Not in your sight and not in the sight of other people. Which is the two other things that bother us most a lot of the time. How we see ourselves and how other people see ourselves will to some degree or another impact the way that we live our lives, won't they? And here's Paul saying that the most important thing that matters is how God sees you. He looks at you, even in your sin, and says you are holy. Holy and blameless in his sight. He has set you apart. And in order to be holy and do holy things, you must come from that place of holiness. And actually, it's a whole lot easier to be holy when I know I'm holy already. You have a holiness identity. It's who you are in Christ Jesus. It's a free gift of his grace to you. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't merit it. You couldn't get it. It's a free gift. Here it comes. You're chosen and you're holy. Just say with me, I'm chosen and I'm holy. Now, really, or number two? Number three. What is number three? We are sons and daughters. That predestination thing, you were predestined. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. Sorry, no, um, verse 5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Here's the Lord saying, just like he said to his own son Jesus, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is him saying to you and me, you are my sons and daughters. I'm so pleased with you. I have such pleasure in you. You are my royal sons and daughters. 
although royalty isn't explicit in this verse, in Dave Webster's interpretation of the Bible, royalty is everywhere. (laughs) If you're a son and daughter of the king, and if you're not familiar with uh, our church, and this is new to you, then get hold of this. If you're a son and a daughter of a king, that makes you a prince and a princess, doesn't it? You are royalty. And there's something about being adopted into his family that kind of, it's almost like adoption is special, isn't it? Natural birth is wonderful, but it's kind of natural. You just ended up there. You know, in a, in a sense, your parents don't get a choice, you know, didn't get a choice about you. You just turned out like that, you know, which is wonderful. I'm sure they, they love who you are. But there's something, a sense too, in which adoption is that, is, is, you know, I, I can see that what you're like now and I choose you. Yes, but I've had this kind of past. Yes, but I choose you. Yes, but I've messed up this in my life. Yes, but I choose you. You're adopted into my family. And Paul's writing here to a context new of Jews and Gentiles. And he's about to tell us that, you know, the, the Gentiles, they're being grafted in as well. They're being adopted into this family of, of God's. So you are a son and daughter of God's. That's part of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. The fourth one. Forgiveness. Easy to overlook, isn't it? I found myself singing that old song, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. Do you know that? I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. One or two old charismatics here who remember it. Jesus Christ's blood was shed so that your sins could be forgiven. Every sin, both past, present, and indeed future. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me for the things I know I'm going to do wrong in the future. Not that I want to do them. They will be contrary to my holy character. And the Lord's saying, that's all right, David. I've forgiven those already. No wonder Paul had to address people in Romans who thought if grace abounds, well, you know, if I sin more, then grace will abound more. It's, it's, you haven't, in one sense, got hold of the grace of God towards you if you are not at least tempted to go and sin. Because you know it's going to be forgiven. Hallelujah. But of course, if you are in Christ Jesus, you don't want to sin. Grace says no to sin. But there's a sense in which you think, wow, I could do that and God would still forgive me. Such is his grace. I should know better, yes, but such is his grace. I shouldn't have gone that way. Such is his grace. When I look back on that incident, I think if I had stopped, you know, stopped there at temptation or stopped there, I should have known better. I've, I've resisted that sin so many times before. Why didn't I resist it this time? Help. I'm born again. I've been a Christian 50 years. I'm in full-time ministry. You know, I'm on the ministry team in the church. What are they going to think? God's forgiven you already. Hallelujah. It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. If it wasn't true, we'd have to invent it. It's so true. <laughs> if God wasn't true, you'd have to invent him. Because he's so true. If that makes sense. 
Sorry, Lord. I wasn't <laughs> intending to. Folks, let's never, never lose sight of the privilege of having a clear conscience every day. And that scene in Saving Private Ryan. How many people have seen the film Saving Private Ryan? And they're kind of taking you know, refuge. I think it's in a chapel or a disused building. And the American guy who's always, you know, the sniper who's always quoting scripture, right? Straight out of the Bible belt. Everybody else is just sitting around and Tom Hanks and the others are having a kind of chat about life like you do when you're in the middle of the Second World War. And, uh, and they look down at this guy and he's just fast asleep. How did you do that? There are bombs going off. There are, there's fighting going on outside. And they're just taking a few hours reprieve from, from the battle. And there's the guy from the Bible Belt who knows Scripture. <laughs> and whether we approve of his use of Scripture is another, is, is another matter. You know, that's not the point. And he's fast asleep like a baby. And I think it's the sergeant turns to Tom Hanks and says, how can he do that? And I think it's Hanks says, because he's got a clear conscience. Your clear conscience is amazing, isn't it? You can live with a clear conscience all the time because you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus and forgiveness is yours. You are in him. You can tap into his forgiveness at any time. Whatever is going on or whatever, however you may have tripped up or disappointed God or whatever it is, you can be forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Number five. The kingdom. Yes, David, but the word kingdom doesn't come in here. No, it doesn't. But read from verse nine. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. And this is like the overture. God, you know, Paul is only just beginning to open this up, so we won't say very much about it. Uh, to put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things, say with me, all things, in heaven and on earth, together under one head, even Christ. There's the kingdom. The one of the blessings of being in the Holy Spirit is that you are wrapped up in this amazing purpose of God to bring all things under heaven and earth, under one head, Christ Jesus. And his kingdom. You are in the kingdom. And the kingdom encompasses everything. So wherever you are in this world. Whatever sphere of life that you work in. Whatever neighborhood you're in. God is using you to reconcile all things to himself. To bring everything. When you got saved. You weren't just saved personally. You got caught up in the purposes and plans of God. That he had purposed it before the beginning of time. That's a blessing, isn't it? It's not little old me in my small corner. We are part of a cosmic reconciliation of the whole universe, of absolutely everything. So that means that everything can be redeemed. 
whether it's the arts or creativity or the media or engineering or science and technology or health and medicine, whatever sphere of life you're talking about, it's your community, your family, those who have fallen away, those who are prodigals in your family, they can all be reconciled because Jesus Christ came to do that. Not just your personal salvation, not just communities of churches around the world, but the whole world reconciled under one head, Jesus Christ. Glorious, isn't it? You're bigger than Google. Or Yahoo or Microsoft. Or China. Or anything that we consider to be big, God is bigger. And you are caught up through your faith in Christ Jesus with that amazing purpose. Well, I've forgotten the number now. Are we on six? Oneness. So there's just a hint here of what Paul is going to develop later in the letter. So in verse 11 he says, In him we were also chosen. That could seem like a reference to everybody, but it's probably just a reference to the Jewish Christians. Because later on, he says in verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. What you'll find as we go through this letter is that Paul is just glorying in the fact that Jews and Gentiles have been brought together in unity, in oneness with one another. And the gospel is the power to save you, but it's also the power to bring reconciliation with any race of people, any ethnic background. Any gender difference. There is oneness and a unity in Christ Jesus that cannot, cannot be achieved anywhere else. By definition, even other kinds of unity are not the same as the kind of unity that you get in Christ Jesus. Because there is no such unity as that that exists. And so that puts you in a very powerful position. Blessed are the peacemakers. You have the ultimate reconciling power within you. Jesus Christ, who can bring Jews and Gentiles together? Who can bring black and white together? Who can bring rich and poor together? Who can bring male and female together? Who can bring young and old together? He can do it all, and that is a blessing of the Holy Spirit into your life. There needs to be no barriers in this church. There is no barrier. Ah, yeah, well, they're quiet. I can't talk to them. They're too important for me to talk to. No, they're not. Why? Because you are one in Christ Jesus. Okay, we can talk about the big issues, you know, of racial and national reconciliation. But actually, folks, we work this out day by day, person by person, don't we? I don't like them. They smell. I don't like them. They, they have a different social background to me. You know, those people rub me up the wrong way. I, I really don't have to spend my... There are lots of other people in the church I can get on with. <laughs> there are no barriers in Christ Jesus, isn't it? And I, this is not an argument about not having friends. and we will, Some friends will be closer to us than others. That's true. But there should be no barriers between us. We have to build a community of reconciliation, of oneness, because... And folks, it's going to happen. So if you're resisting it, get out of the way (laughs) of God's purposes. Because he is going to do it. 
And there are people out there who are far, far different from everybody in this room that God wants to bring into the community of North Kent Community Church, of Eastgate, together. That's wonderful, isn't it? We're already looking quite diverse, which is fantastic. We have all sorts of nationalities here represented today. That's fantastic. We have all sorts of personalities. Actually, don't you find personality harder than nationality? <laughs> Last one. Last one. I'd make it 12.13. I've got two minutes. Is that right? Ah! It's the red sign. Lastly, you have the Holy Spirit. Isn't it strange that Paul gets right to the end and he says, by the way, you've got the Holy Spirit. But all this blessing comes from the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is your friend, your guide, your transformer, your enabler. Now, what I want to say to you is this. If there is any of those areas that you haven't got, why don't you get it this morning? If you think, I just cannot be convinced that I'm chosen, I cannot be convinced, or I have some questions around, am I really holy? Am I forgiven? Am I caught up in these purposes of God? Am I a son and a daughter and have I I been adopted? Do I really have the Holy Spirit inside me? Come and get prayed for. Let me pray for you right now and then we'll close and uh, I'll hand over to Bola. Father, we just pray we want to release all your blessings. We have been blessed in, with every Holy Spirit blessing in Christ Jesus. And I pray you would make up and heal up any area that is lacking in our lives. We know there's always more, Lord. But if we have sensed that, that we haven't got hold of some of these truths, then cement them in our hearts now, Holy Spirit. 